Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much. God, I thank you that we're here. Because your word tells us, Lord, that where two or three are gathered in your name, that you will be there with them. And so, God, I thank you that you're here. And Lord, we do worship you uh, because you alone are worthy of our worship. You alone are worthy of our admiration, God. You alone are worthy of our attention. And so, God, tonight I pray that as we open your word, as we look at this uh, Apostles' Creed, as we look at the truth in this, God, that you would teach us. God, I pray that you would take a broken vessel and you would spill yourself out onto your people. And God, they would hear not my heart and not my words, but God, I pray they would hear your heart and your words. And God, when we leave this place, that we would be changed, that we would be conformed more into the image of Jesus Christ. So God, you take the evening and you use it to your glory and your honor. And we praise you for what you're going to do. We pray these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. So we are, uh, I understand, because I'm not, normally I'm herding fifth grade boys right about now um, on Wednesday night, but I understand we're, we're working our way through the Apostles' Creed, uh, which is kind of cool. And uh, so tonight we've gotten to the line that says, Suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified, dead, and buried. And like Travis said, I'm thrilled that uh, I got this one and I didn't get next week. (laughs) But if I had next week, the title would probably be something like Jesus Went to Hell. So we'll see what Travis comes up with. Um, So as I was thinking about this, and uh, I hate to ask this, but somebody, somebody, I'm leaking all over the place up here. Somebody find a tissue that I, somebody got a tissue I could... My wife tells me every time, you need to take a tissue up there. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate, I appreciate that. He's a handyman. <laughs> he was probably an Eagle Scout. So, as I was thinking about this, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. There's a lot of ways you could go with that and a lot of, a lot of things that you could talk about. And, and I think probably some of the more obvious things would be to talk about the facts surrounding Jesus' death. You know, we hear this a lot of times on Easter, how, how excruciating it was. And they pulled his beard and they put the thorns on his head and, and, and they beat him. And, you know, the cat of nine tails and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and I, I thought, well, you could go there. But really, that's almost a study... It's almost a study of intellect, right? And I've never been accused of that. So I thought maybe I wouldn't go there. But I'd like to look at what's underneath all of that. 
Because I think we all understand that history tells us that there was this man named Jesus. And he did suffer and die on the cross at the hands of Pontius Pilate. That he was condemned to death. And we know that story, but what, what is underneath the story? And as I, as I thought about that, there, was, there were several questions that came to my mind surrounding that. And, and so uh, I wanted to kind of just go through these questions that surrounds Jesus' suffering and his crucifixion at the hands of, uh, of Pontius Pilate. He was crucified, dead, and buried. Um, and probably the first and overarching question that we might ask is why did Jesus have to die? Why did Jesus have to die? And uh, I think if we took a poll in the room, uh, and I ask everybody, why do you think Jesus had to die? Why did Jesus have to die? Most of us would probably come up with a little three-letter word called sin. Most of us would probably say, well, Jesus had to die because of sin. And you would be exactly right. Jesus died because of our sins. But more, more to the point, Jesus died because of sin's separating effects. Because of sin's separating effects. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, when we look into Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, we get this, I think, just a heart-wrenching picture of what was going on in the Garden of Eden. Now, realize that God created Adam and Eve. He created them to have fellowship with Him. It's, the Bible tells us that He walked in the cool of the evening with them. He came down and He had sweet fellowship with them in the garden. But we read in, in verse 8, after Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit, this is what it says, it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as He was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Here's the most heartbreaking line you will ever read. And they hid from Him the Lord God among the trees of the garden. The two creations that he had made to have fellowship with hid from their creator. Why did they do that? Because they had sinned. Because they had done the thing that they weren't supposed to do. Because they were ashamed. Because they were naked. Because they had become sinners. And their sin now separated them from a holy God. They realized that they were sinners and He was holy and it made them ashamed and it made them want to hide. And you know what? Every person born since Adam is born with Adam's sin. And every person born since Adam, and that would include you and it would include me, is born separated from God. As a matter of fact, Paul puts it like this in Romans uh, chapter three twenty three, and you know this if you've ever studied the Romans road, right? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Isaiah said it like this in, in chapter 53, verse 6. He said, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned into his own way. So God is this holy God. And He cannot be and He cannot coexist where sin is. And so we are born sinners. We are born with sin, corrupt, and God cannot be and He cannot coexist where sin is. And therefore, we are separated from a holy God because of our sin. Why did Jesus have to die? He had to die because of that separation. 
He had to die to try to, to try to close the gap. But not only are we separated from God, but because of that separation, because we were created to be in fellowship with God, and that is what, that's why we exist, to be in fellowship with God. But we have this sin problem, so we can't be in fellowship with God. So you know what that does? It creates this vacuum inside of us, this hole, this longing, this longing to have this thing that we cannot have. This relationship with a holy God that we cannot have because of this problem of sin. And what does that do? Well, that causes us to do things like run after relationships or run after money or run after sex or run after drugs or run after alcohol. It causes us to go after all kinds of things to fill up that hole and try to close that void. And what does that do? That causes broken relationships, doesn't it? So not only does sin cause this separation from God, but it also causes this separation from community. Sin not only drove a wedge between us and God, but it drove a wedge between us and us. It causes us, to, it causes us in our sin to constantly be looking for that thing that will fill up the hole. Always drinking and never satisfied. I think when I when I when I think about that, I think about the movie The Pirates of the Caribbean. Anybody see that? You know, the curse that was on the guys is that they they could eat and drink, but they they didn't taste anything. So it didn't matter how much they ate, it didn't matter how much they drank, they were never satisfied. And I think that's why Jesus said in John 6 35, he said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. If you come to me, you will be filled. You see, you don't have to run after all those other things. So why? Why did Jesus have to die? He had to die because of this separation that sin causes. But not only that, Not only did he have to die because of the sin and the separation that it causes, but he had to die because God demands a price for reconciliation. God demands a price for reconciliation. And and in your outline, I would ask you to circle that word price. Because we're going to come back to that in a little bit. But God demands a price. And what price is it that God demands to fill that hole? What price is it that God demands to reconcile a sinful people unto himself. Well, we find out in Leviticus chapter 17, 11, it says this, For the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. The life is in the blood. The blood is what makes atonement. The blood. What blood? Whose blood? In Hebrews 9.22, the writer of Hebrews says, In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So there had to be a price paid. There had to be blood left. And it, had, it couldn't be just any blood. It had to be perfect blood. And so Jesus died because of this separation problem that we had, because the only way 
to pay the price was for his blood to be shed, the blood of the perfect one. So this brings up an interesting thought. Here's some food for thought for you. Jesus died to bring about the reconciliation. He died to reconcile a bunch of people that didn't like him. The Bible tells us that we're enemies. Enemies in our mind to, to God. So Jesus comes and he dies. You know what the Bible says about Jesus? It says he's a friend of sinners. Right? He died to reconcile his enemies to himself. You know, we talk about John 3.16 and everybody learns it and they put it up in the end zones at all the football games and all that stuff. But if you keep reading, you get to a really good verse, John 3.17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus came to save the world because he is a friend of sinners. He had to die. He had to die to close the gap. He had to die to reconcile sinful man to a holy God. And so I think we all understand that. If you're here, oh no. It's an amber alert. Whew, I thought it was the second coming and we're all still sitting in here. I don't know who I'd feel worse for. <laughs> you know, I think, we, I think that's probably a review for most people in this room. I, at least I hope it's a review for you to, that you understand why Jesus had to die. He had to die because there had to be this perfect sacrifice. There had to be this price that was paid for our reconciliation. But the next question I have is one that came to me uh, several months back. I, I, I heard a sermon preached on, on the crucifixion, on the passion, and I'm watching this, and, and they're talking about the passion, they're talking about all the things that happened to Jesus, and I came up with this question, and that is, why did Jesus have to suffer physically? Why did Jesus have to suffer physically? And, you know, I, and it, it, it just perplexed me. And I, so I went and I asked several friends that, that uh, I kind of, thought would give me some good answers. And you know, what I always get, I ask, so why, so why did Jesus have to suffer? Why, did, why did he have to get beaten like that? Why, why did he have to hang on a cross? And you know, usually when you ask that, people go, well, because it was prophesied. It was, okay, I'll give you that. It was prophesied. And all of those things fulfilled all of that prophecy. That still don't tell me why. It don't tell me why did God plan it that way. Right? Because when I look back at the Old Testament and I look at the sacrificial system in the Old Testament, there are instructions on what they're supposed to do with the animals. And I'm not going to go into all of that, but I will say this. It was about as a humane a way as you could dispatch an animal. They certainly, the instructions certainly weren't, hey, bring the sheep to the, uh, to, the, to the tabernacle, bring the sheep to the temple, and then I want the priest to take a rod and just beat it, beat it, beat it, and run around the yard beating it, beating it, beating it until it's a bloody pulp. And then I want you to hang it up by its legs for everybody to see until it expires. That was not the instructions, right? So why, why, if, if, if the sacrifices in the Old Testament were these humane, they dispatched the animals in a humane manner, 
They had the blood. The blood's there. Why did Jesus have to suffer the way he did? Why didn't he have to be beaten? Why didn't he have to be humiliated? Why didn't he have to pull his beard out? Why, why, why all those things? And so I was thinking about that, and, and, and I, I come up with, for me, I came up with th- three reasons. I want to give you the three reasons that I think uh, he, he, had, he had to go through that. And the first one is to give us perspective on sin. To give us a perspective on sin. And, and you say, okay, I, I'm not following you. Well, let me tell you, let me tell you a story, and maybe I can help clarify it, or maybe, maybe not. Uh, um, there was a, a comedian uh, uh, years back. His name was Jerry Clower. I don't know if you remember Jerry Clower. But Jerry Clower told this story. Let me, let me get the facts straight. Jerry Clower told this story about a, a man named Duval Scott who owned a, a, a little country store. And he said, you know, these guys would go and hang out in Duval Scott's country store. And when somebody would come in and buy something, every time he rang the cash register, he would quote a verse of Scripture. And so these guys would hang out and they would see what kind of verse of Scripture he would quote. A little kid come in, buy some candy, and he would say, suffer the children to come unto me. Boom, boom, and he'd ring the register. So one day they're all in there and this guy comes in, he pulls up in this big truck pulling this big horse trailer and he, and he comes in and he says, look, I'm headed to this big horse show and I need a blanket for my horse. And it's just a little country store. And so Duval Scott goes in the back. He says, I've got some horse blankets. He goes back there. He comes up. He throws it down on the counter. He says, that'll be $5. And the guy said, man, you don't understand. This is a championship horse. I ain't putting no $5 blanket on a championship horse. Haven't you got something better? And the guys were watching him and they were like, what's he going to do? He ain't got but one kind of blanket. And he goes back and he takes another blanket off the same stack. It's a different color. And he walks up, he puts it on the counter, and he says, this one's $25. And the guy says, man, I ain't putting no $25 blanket on my You don't understand. This is a world champion horse. I'm going to this horse show. I want a good blanket for my horse. The guys are watching him, and he goes to the back, and he gets the third blanket. Different color, same blanket. Comes up, those days, he says, this is $50. And the guy says, well, that's more like it. $50 blanket, he pays him $50, and he walks out of the store, and all the guys are watching him. Okay, what kind of Bible verse are you going to have? And he looks up, and he says, he was a stranger, and I took him in. And he brings a cash <laughs> I appreciate you guys laughing. I know some of you have probably heard that before. So why, why would that story remind me of this point? Why would that story remind me that Christ suffered to give us perspective on sin? Well, let me tell you, what did I say? I said that Christ had to die because there was a price that needed to be paid. So if I told you, hey, there's a price that has to be paid for your sins, and that price is $1.85, you'd be like, my sins must not be so bad then. It's only $1.85 cover them right but if i tell you your sins had to be paid for by jesus being beaten until he was almost unrecognizable and hung on a cross until he couldn't get a breath and drowning in his own fluids then you go wow god must really hate sin What a price to pay. You see, I think the reason Jesus suffered the way He did is so that we can understand that sin is bad. It's not funny. 
It's not cute. It's horrible. God can't even look at it. And when we look at the suffering that Jesus did on the cross and and the suffering leading up to that, we see that it was indeed a high price that was paid. But I think the second reason, the first is to give us a perspective on sin, but the second one is to give us a perspective on Jesus' inner anguish. To give us a perspective on Jesus' inner anguish. And you say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, let me read you this. And you've heard this account before. Let me read you this account out of Luke chapter 22. Starting in verse 41, it says this. It says, he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. In verse 44, And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Jesus prayed so hard that he burst the capillaries in his forehead. He was under such stress and such agony that he caused the blood to surface and come out of his skin. And why is that? Was he, was he praying, God, let this cup pass from me. I don't want him to beat me. I don't want him to put a crown of thorns on my head. I don't want him to pull my beard. I don't want to be stripped naked in front of everybody. How embarrassing that would be, God. Is that why he's so stressed? No. He is stressed because of what we find in 2 Corinthians 5.21. Paul says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Now I'm going to tell you something. I don't get that. I do not understand that. I cannot comprehend that. My brain is too tiny to wrap around that truth because I've never been sinless. I've never known anybody that was sinless. Anybody ever known anybody personally who was part of the triune God? Raise your hand. Anybody ever, anybody ever been part of the triune God? No, I didn't think so. So I don't get that. I don't get what that's like. You know, I've preached a lot of sermons, and I've thought over and over again, what kind of analogy can I give to somebody to help them understand what Christ did on the cross? The unsoiled one became completely soiled on my behalf. I don't even, there is no analogy. There is no analogy this side of heaven. And I don't even think there's one in heaven. I'm not sure when we get to heaven we're really even going to understand what that's like. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. I can't, get, I can't wrap my brain around it, but you know what I can't understand? I can understand a beatdown, right? I get that. I know, I know, I can understand what it would be like to have your back whipped until the flesh is falling off. I can understand having a crown of thorns shoved down on your head until you're bleeding out of your head. I can understand that because I've hit myself in the finger with a hammer before. And I can only imagine what that other stuff feels like. Right? So I think Jesus suffered and died. He suffered. He suffered the way he did. Why? To give me some perspective on what he was going through inside. Because I can't understand what was happening to him spiritually, but I could sure understand what was happening to him physically. 
And you say, well, that's kind of far-fetched. And I'm, I think, well, I mean, you know, maybe it is, maybe, you know, because that's my theory. And I wish I could tell you some big theologian that gave me that, but I could, I didn't, you know, I'd find that on the Internet anywhere. But I'm telling you this, what it tells me is that my Savior wanted me to understand. And he wanted me to understand so bad that he let him beat him almost lifeless so that I could understand the price that was paid and the anguish that he went through inside. What an incredible, what an incredible testimony that he would go through that just so we could understand. But the third thing, the third reason that I think that he had to suffer the way he did is this. He had to suffer the way he did to give us confidence to face suffering. To give us confidence to face suffering. You know, Jesus told his disciples and he tells us in Matthew 24, 9, then you will be handed over to be persecuted and be put to death and you will be hated by all nations because of me. He says, look, they hated me. You follow me. They're going to hate you. It just makes sense, doesn't it? You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure that out. They didn't like what Jesus was, was selling and they're not going to like what you're selling if you're selling what Jesus was selling. And he said, they're, going to, they're not going to like you and, they're going to, and you're going to suffer because of this. But you know what? You can take hope and you can have courage and you can stand up because I'm going to show you that you can do that. I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die for you. And, and every time somebody calls you a name and every time somebody yells at you and every time somebody calls you out, I just want you to think, Jesus endured more than this. Jesus endured more than this. His suffering gives us confidence. Jesus told us this in John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. When the world starts beating you up and beating you down, you just look at it and go, look, I'm a child of the king. There ain't nothing you can do to me. Nothing. Because he loves me and he died for me. He suffered and died for me. It gives us great confidence to know that we can go through the trials of life, that we can go through the persecutions that come because he did that. So we've seen why Jesus had to die and we've seen why he had to suffer. It brings us to the last question in our outline tonight and that is this. What does Jesus' death do for me? What does it do for me? Well, I would say this, first of all, If you are unwilling to bow your knee to Jesus Christ and make Him the Lord of your life and submit to Him in faith, He's not going to do anything for you. Okay? So the prerequisite to all I'm about to tell you is that you have made Jesus the Lord of your life. So to understand what His death does for us, we kind of have to look back on the reasons that He had to die, right? And we said one of the reasons that He had to die was because of the separation that sin has caused so the first thing that we see is that jesus death reconciles me to a holy god jesus reconciles me to a holy god paul describes it this way in colossians chapter 1 verse 21 he says this once you were alienated from god and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior but now he has reconciled you 
by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in His sight without blemish and free from accusation. Man, that is a refrigerator verse if there ever was one. Print that out and put it on your mirror. And when the devil starts to beat you up, you say, look, Jesus died to make me holy. And when I came to faith in Jesus Christ, He made me holy. And He don't have to make you holy, but once, and you're holy. That's what it says right there. He says He's going to present you holy in His sight, without blemish and free from accusation. So when the devil comes around accusing you, you say, get out of here, devil. I am free from accusation because Jesus died. What a beautiful picture that verse paints. It says that we were enemies in our mind. We were enemies with God. But Jesus was a friend to the sinner. You say, well, that's that's incongruent. No, it's not. Jesus loved us when we didn't love him. And you say, well, how are we enemies? How are we enemies? He says, we're enemies in our mind. How are we enemies? Well, we're enemies of God when... When through our sin and our pride, it causes us to go out on our own and try to do things on our own. And you say, well, how does that work? Well, it works like this. There's a couple of ways it works. First, there are people who become enemies of God because they say, look, I've got sex and drugs and all these things. And, uh, and I've got all this stuff to keep me happy. And I don't need you, God. I got this. But then there's another group of people that say, you know what? I've got religion. I've got my Bible study. I've got my mission trips. I've got all these things. I got it. I don't need you. I got all this. I'm a member of the church. I sing in the choir. I got it. You see, those people, unless you, unless you have a relationship with Jesus Christ through faith, then it don't matter if you're a drug addict or a choir member. You're just as lost. You understand that? You're just as much an enemy of God when you're doing it on your own. However that is, you're an enemy of God. But I got good news, and the good news is this, that Christ suffered and died to bring reconciliation. Christ died to bring reconciliation. We see this all through the New Testament. We see this in Zacchaeus, who was the wee little man, right? Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was hated by his people. He was, uh, he was a traitor to his people. They hated his guts. He stole money from his own people to pad his pocket, reconciled by Jesus Christ. The woman at the well, married five times and living with a guy right now, reconciled. By Jesus Christ. Saul of Tarsus, who rounded people up, who called themselves Christians, and killed them, reconciled by Jesus Christ. The Philippian jailer, the woman, the woman possessed by a demon, the Ethiopian eunuch, reconciled, reconciled, reconciled by Jesus Christ. When you come to the cross, you are reconciled to a holy God by Jesus Christ. Brian Squires, nine years old, knelt by his bed in his bedroom, reconciled to Jesus Christ. He reconciles us. That's the beauty of the cross. It's cruel and it's inhuman. But it reconciles us to a holy God. Not only 
Not only did, did Jesus' death on the cross reconcile us to a holy God, which, in my opinion, would be plenty. Matter of fact, that's, that's really all that I would ever ask for. But it gets better. Um, it gets better. So let, let, I want to do, let, to get this point, let's, uh, I want to do a little survey to help you understand this. So I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, and, and uh, I'm going to ask these questions, and i get you to raise your hand. So how many people here graduate from high school? Graduate from high school, raise your hand. Okay, that's pretty good. Uh, how many people got a two-year degree? Two-year degree? All right. What about a four-year degree? Okay. What about a master's degree? Ooh, getting into the smart ones. How about a PhD? Anybody here got a PhD? Yes. Good for you. How many people became a Christian before they were 20 years old? How about between 20 and 30? How about 30 to 40? Above 40. All right. Awesome. How about where you grew up? Would you say, hey, I grew up in a home. I heard a, I heard a comedian say, you know, I was drugged in my home. They drugged me to church every Sunday. <laughs> How many people would say, I lived in that home? That's my home. I grew up in a home like that. What about, no, that really wasn't my home. Anybody grew up in a home like that? You look around this room, you got people from all different walks of life, all different educational levels, all different backgrounds. Some people had Jesus growing up, some people didn't have Jesus growing up. Yet here we all are, right? We're all the body of Christ. <laughs> the cross did that, you see. We're like the island of misfit toys, <laughs> Right? You know, when I was in, when I was in college, uh, they don't call it this anymore. They call it the BSU when I was in college, the Baptist Student Union. Now I think they call it the BCM, Baptist College Ministries. I was in the BSU at my college. And that's why I used to say, I used to say this is the island of misfit toys. This is all the people who wouldn't be in a fraternity and wouldn't be in a sorority and all those other organizations. We just took them all. And we loved each other. How does that happen? How do you take people from all those diverse backgrounds and all that different stuff and you put them together and they love each other? It happens because we're His church. We're His church. And we're His church because He died on the cross. Peter said it like this in 1 Peter 2.10. He says, once you were not a people. But now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And we get this in Acts 20, 28. These are instructions. It says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, listen, which He bought with His blood. So not only did Christ reconcile us to a holy God, but Christ through His death, through His suffering, He created a community of faith. He created a community of faith because remember, we were created. We were created for fellowship with God, but we were also created to live in community with each other. And what did sin do? Sin caused a separation. It caused us to be separated from a holy God and it caused us to, to kind of become dysfunctional. We live in this community of faith. It's called the church. And, and when you look in the New Testament, 
you will see all kinds, when you, when you look at how it's defined, you will see all kinds of one another's. He says, love one another, be patient with one another, bear with one another. All of there's 51 one another's in the New Testament. And you read through all of those and you tell me that that's not a place that you want to be. That's the place I want to be. I want to be in a place where they love one another and they care for one another and they, they honor one another. How does that happen? How can you build a community like that? Man, that's not the Rotary Club. That's not the JCs. Not that those are bad organizations. But those organizations are not based on the blood of Jesus Christ. And this organization is. And that's why we live together. That's why we do life together. So I want to, I want to, one last thing before we wrap it up. And that is this. We've talked about the cross. We've talked about Jesus' suffering. So I want to leave you with this thought. I I want you to understand this. I think sometimes that we live defeated lives as Christians. Because I think we get to this place, it's kind of a navel-gazing kind of thing we do. And we go, God, you can never use me. God, I'm so broke. God, I've done these things, and, and God, I just, don't, I just don't know how you could ever use somebody that's broke like me. God, you just you don't understand how I feel. Listen, you're not transformed by being intimately aware of all of your shortcomings. You understand that? I am not transformed by being intimately aware of all of my shortcomings. You know what transforms me? You know what transforms you? The cross. The cross transforms us. It was on the cross where your sins were crucified. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf on the cross. He gives you victory through the cross. So stop looking at yourself and look at the cross. That's where the power comes from. That's where the blood was shed. In Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Listen, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Did you catch that last part? What a, that sounds incongruent. Look, it says that Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. What? What was the joy set before Jesus that would make him go to the cross? It was his father's glory. So you've got to keep unrolling it, though. The joy set before Jesus that made him go to the cross was the glory of the Father, but what was the glory of the Father? Your salvation. Everybody who's saved is God's, growth, God's trophy of grace. You see how that works? Jesus went to the cross because of the joy set before him. The joy set before him was to bring glory to the Father. What brings glory to the Father? Reconciling. 
his creation. We're pretty special. The cross says that we're pretty special. He glorified God by choosing, by choosing to go to the cross to reconcile me and you back to the Father. I want you to think about that. That makes you pretty special, right? Pretty special. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much. God, really, this is one of those places where I need for your spirit to intercede on my behalf because I do not have the words to speak, to say how grateful I am. When I think about the fact that I could do nothing, do nothing to fix my sin problem, and you sent Jesus, and Jesus, you willingly came and you willingly gave your life on the cross, you shed your blood, the perfect blood, the perfect sacrifice to rescue me from the pit of hell. What an incredible thought, God. How could we not worship? God, how could we not bow down? How could we not say you are the greatest, the most wonderful, the most awesome God because you love us and you care for us? And so, God, I pray that you would help us to remember that we're not messed up, but we are children of the King. Jesus, help us to remember that we can do all things through you who gives us strength. God, if there's one here tonight and they don't understand this because they've never submitted themselves to you in faith, I pray, God, that you would reveal that to them, that they can make that decision and do that tonight. So God, we thank you and we want to honor you with our lives and we want to honor you um, with all that we do, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So what we're going to do to be dismissed is I'm going to get everybody to stand up and I think we've got this, hopefully we've got this, oh, all right. We're going to read the Apostles' Creed together. All right, here we go. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father Almighty, from whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. All right. I think we have a misspelled word in there. It's misspelled on my sheet too. Y'all have a great week. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. 
Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale, and we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.